This episode has been made possible through partnership with Brummick Heating. We're going to do a throwback here. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Welcome to the Arca Speak podcast. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. But don't bump. Good job. <laughs> I'm going to tear up. That was, <laughs> that was, I love it. That was old school. For people who have been listening for a long time, that was old school right there. Yes. Well, this, this episode is a little bit different. We're hosting a guest, which we don't do all the time, but we've been doing right. more of. And uh, I, one of the differences, I think, with this episode versus others is I, I, I'm framing this, the idea, and I, I texted you this, isn't this, I'm not springing this on you now, but I'm springing no. this on the audience, which is Arcaspeak University. Let's learn something today. And so we're going to learn about hospitality and outdoor spaces from a design professional's point of view. What, what do you got there? AU, Arcaspeak <laughs> University. Yeah, welcome to AU. We're going to do hospitality and outdoor spaces 101 today. And uh, hopefully we all learn something. I think we're going to learn something, don't you? Yeah, it's kind of exciting. I mean, it's one of the things that is kind of a growing market. You know, we see it in both the things that we do that we specialize in. You see it mm -hmm. in, in other markets. And, you know, it's good to kind of like learn about what's going on. What are the trends? How do you expand the indoor spaces to the exterior. Right. And like I was saying, I've never really done this kind of space, although I guess technically I have. When we do yeah. schools, there's always outdoor eating components and outdoor right. zones. Right. And and we're always really, you know, the design teams that I worked on, we're always trying to merge indoor and outdoor coming at Southern right. California angle, right, where we have the luxury of being able to do that a lot of the year. Um, usually when school's in session, we're able to do that, right? It's only the right. times when school's not in session, the, the brunt of the summer is on and we're not worried about it. But um, right. there's been a lot of development in this space. Uh, there's products, there's all kinds of innovation that's been happening. And something that, that I've talked about for a couple of years now, it's like architects don't know what they don't know. And if right. unless you have an excuse to learn because it's on your current project, which is you know, what, what are the chances? You're not going to learn exactly. about this stuff, right? So right. our goal with this is to expose this stuff so that your next project or maybe your current project, this will get your gears turning, give you a little bit more information so that when you show up, you're not a, a total dummy. You don't know nothing about this this right. category of, of design and, uh, and, and you could lead a client through a decent conversation and talk about pros and cons yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously features and benefits. So uh, I'm excited about this conversation. I'm going to read our guest's bio real quick here so that we can all hit the ground running. So today we have Liz Neufer, and she is currently a project designer at Aria Group. And for the last 10 years, she has completed projects and worked with restaurant clients across the country and internationally. Liz works with restaurant groups and independent restaurateurs to craft original and authentic guest experiences with a holistic and atmospheric design philosophy. She is also a mother of two girls, which means she knows more Taylor Swift songs than she cares to admit. I think she just did. Yep. Too late. <laughs> We're all in on it. Well, anyway, this is going to be a fun conversation with Liz. Let's uh, let's jump into it. You ready? Yeah. Let's. Liz, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So give us a little background. I told you you weren't going to have to give your whole background, but just kind of set the stage of where you're coming from, where you work. Tell us about the firm that you work for and the types of projects that you're doing. For sure. Yeah. My name is Liz Newfer. I'm a project designer at ARIA Group. It's a, a firm of about 120 some odd people uh, located in Oak Park, Illinois, just, just west of Chicago. We are a uh, unique firm in that we're both architecture and design, so we, we collaborate together as, as one. And for the most part, our project work is in restaurants and hospitality and some larger entertainment spaces and, and things like that. And we, we do dabble in some retail and wellness, so we kind of spread the love everywhere. But I would say the majority of our work does land uh, in, the, in the restaurant realm. Cormac and I were in Chicago a couple of years ago now. A little over yeah. a year ago, I guess, for the yeah. AIA conference. Sure. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and we he, got to go to Oak Park <laughs> for the he, first he, time. It was he awesome. He had never been. He didn't have time. He was kind of working the floor. And I was driving him back to the airport. And I was like, you, you can't not go to Oak Park. You have and, to. <laughs> and so, you know, whether it was on the way or not on the way to the airport, didn't right. matter. I shuffled... <laughs> Shuttled him over there. We, you know, did a, you know, some quick walking tours of some of the. Yeah. Did the you right, do the tour? You know, we did our own tour. Okay. Um, we rolled our own tour. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and we sort of stumbled into, we went past Unity Temple. We parked, walked up and they're like, oh, are you here for the tour? And we kind of like looked at each other like, should we just jump in and right. do it? Unfortunately, he didn't have the time. Oh. Right. Next time. Next time. Yeah. I like leaving a thing to get back to when I go yeah. visit places. Like there's still things in New York City I haven't seen. I've been there, you know, four or five times at this point. But it's like I got to go visit Lady Liberty or something like that. Right. It's right. it's yeah. like that in Chicago for me as well. There's yeah. so much to see and to do. And uh, anyway, yeah, I don't try to cram it all into one trip. I want the full experience of, of yeah. what Chicago has to offer. So I will be back. Yeah. Good. And I, yeah. and I and I was just back there for uh, Lollapalooza, which was oh yeah, Lala crazy, yeah, <laughs> as, as you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I like that mentality of leaving little little breadcrumbs for yourself. That's exactly that's a, a nice idea. I'm yes. gonna adopt that. Future snacks, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the kind of work that you're doing, hospitality work. Uh, the thing that I, I think I'm really interested in, I guess it's not too different than residential work depending on where you live in that there's a big mix of indoor outdoor uh, design and coming from southern california one of the beautiful things about practicing there is it's an environment where indoor outdoor makes a lot of sense right and with hospitality especially going through the previous few years with covid and things like that i'm assuming that you saw a lot of that in your practice so can you talk about the kinds of experiences and the, the shifts and the evolution of hospitality through that time and where that's led to now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I feel like Southern California really opened up the, the pun intended, doors of how we can bring the, the outdoor inside and also the inside back out. And the, the climate there is just perfect for that setup. Um, and then I think with with the pandemic, I, th I think that whole idea, people wanted to encapsulate that elsewhere, you know, uh, regardless of climate, you know, they wanted to be able to be outside and, and create, you know, bring their bubble along with them. And uh, so I do feel like the 
the pandemic was a way, was kind of a jump start to figure out where hospitality, where restaurants could go. And I think Southern California was kind of the um, genesis of that. And so a lot of the design, I think, has been started from what we were seeing in Southern California has trickled across the country, just just manifested its way into different realms of, of the industry. Did you use kind of like that mentality, you know, pre-pandemic mentality of designing for outdoor spaces as a way to kind of solve some of the design issues during the pandemic? Because I'll say that before I moved back to the Detroit area, which I've only been back for about a year, I spent the last decade and a half in the D.C. area. And for all of every single restaurant you could name, there was this shift towards like, you know, everything being outdoors, no indoors and and everything else. And then as we started to see it roll back post-pandemic, everything has kind of kept both as an option. They're like, oh, we can do both and expand, you know, upon that. So is that something that you saw as an early trend that then when you kind of like refined it during COVID? Yeah, for sure. I, I think so. I think we always had patio designs going. There was always like, oh, let's let's have a patio for, you know, just a couple of seasons. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, but it wasn't a, it wasn't what it is now. It was just, let's find some inexpensive tables, some inexpensive chairs, get them outside so we can, you know, get some additional revenue. Uh, and I think the the switch was really the restaurateurs and landlords too uh, realizing the the impact that the outdoor dining can bring to to the to the table in terms of revenue. So I think it's kind of both the the design aesthetic along with the whole idea of you know really wanting to to pull diners. Um, outside so that they can get that full experience that they would be getting inside. So it's it's yeah. kind of a really unique dynamic on how it's it's shifting and how all of these um, restaurateurs and our clients that we work with and landlords and um, really understanding that the importance that the outdoor dining experience can bring. When my wife and I go out to a restaurant, which isn't that often, but it, when it is, it's like we, we almost always are looking for an outdoor option. And it's just something that we value for us. And it's, first of all, I can't imagine what it would have been like to own a restaurant during the pandemic. And I really can't imagine what it would have been like if there were zero options to move any of your operations outside, right? I I just can't even imagine how hopeless it would have felt to have been a restaurant owner. And in the town that I was in, you know, obviously there was like this move out to the parking areas. The, there was a lot of parking, right? And people weren't out utilizing that that parking because a lot of the stores were closed. But for the restaurants that were, you know, obviously some policy changes had to happen at the city level to enable that to happen. And then we saw kind of this move outside into what used to be a car park, right? And now it's now it's a dining space and it's a service space. And there were some restaurants that did the simple thing, right? They put up a tent, they put up something incredibly, you know, fast and cheap and easy. Mm-hmm. And then there were other ones who really invested in the experience to create something worth coming back to, I think. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure there's better ways to say that, but creating an extension of their restaurant, expanding their footprint outside and still making you feel like you were getting a great experience. And this is something that I think a lot of restaurateurs didn't think about 
including architects in that process. But for the ones that did, I think it was kind of night and day difference in the experience. And this is something that architects can say, yeah, that's the kind of thing that we do, right? We we think about that kind of stuff. It's not just about getting a cheap set of tables and chairs and some heaters and a tent. It's like creating an experience with plants and in- including decks and all kinds of neat little ways to make it feel less like a parking lot or a tent and more like the restaurant experience. I, I would love to hear your experience kind of as you went through that with different clients. And I'm sure there's lots of different levels of what they were willing to pay for or invest in up front versus maybe even where they ended up. But what was that like working in the hospitality industry through that time? Yeah, I remember we did um, we did this exercise actually with the village of Oak Park, uh, where our office is located, and they they asked us to come up with some winter dining experience. They wanted to, you know, try and figure out a way to pull people back in, and so it was it was actually a really great um, exercise for us. We we gathered a bunch of designers. We typically we are um, for main studios, so it was kind of a cross studio thing in our office that we got to just pull designers together and. And uh, come up, it was almost a little bit of a design challenge and charrette of, you know, all of these different ideas. What can what can we pull together? And it was looking at greenhouse construction. Is there anything from greenhouse construction that we can pull in? Um, you know, looking at, we had one group that was looking at scaffolding. How can we take scaffolding, something that's just, you know, on the streets right. and tarp it mm-hmm. and heat it? And, you know, like just thinking of these everyday building materials or you know, different ways to, you know, envelope this, these outdoor systems or outdoor areas. Um, so that became a really interesting exercise. Um, they didn't really move forward with a whole lot of it, but it was just, it was still a fun d- design charrette. Um, okay. But in terms of actual uh, clients, we, we, we were asked to do quite a bit of exercises of how, you know, what else can we do? A lot of the winter vestibules were, were brought in of, you know, you probably have seen them in Detroit where it's just tacked onto the front doors or something right, of that right. system that we can bring into play that's, you know, temporary. So it was looking at a lot of that uh, type of type of work. And then uh, I'm trying to think back. It feels like it's, yeah, <laughs> it feels right. like yesterday, but it also feels <laughs> like so long ago. It's um, funny because it's one of those things where, yeah, it's like the time warp is real, but also <laughs> we kind of want to forget about it. So I don't right? blame you right. for, for trying to hard to remember. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of back to what I was asking earlier is so how did, you know, like those charrettes, those kind of like different kind of test fitting, you know, some didn't, some work, some didn't work kind of thing. How did that kind of start to inform what you're doing now? Okay. And is it vastly different now than what you were doing kind of pre-pandemic when it comes to like outdoor spaces? Yes and no. I think yes in the way that clients are more willing to spend the money and they're willing to add it into the the value of the space. So mm. I think that's definitely a different mentality. And then yes in the way, you know, we still have a lot of the same systems that we can work with. These these patio operable systems, the louvered systems. I think there's more products out there for mm-hmm. sure now than there ever was. I remember trying to find, you know, enclosed patio systems before and it's like hey, right, two products right. out there. <laughs> now yeah. now is they're all over the place. Um and the I think what's cool about the products now is they're a little bit uh, more all encapsulating. So they have the lights, they have the heaters, they have the the windscreens and everything's incorporated. A lot of these systems now have um, guillotine systems. So 
when they're up, it's enclosed. Yeah. And then when they roll down, it's a full, it's your railing. So you don't, you don't even have to design a new railing. Everything's, you know, fully functional yeah, within oh, the nice. system. Um, so I'd say, yes, it's different in terms of where products are at and where that mm-hmm. design is taking us um, mm-hmm. and the mentality shift. Um, but I think in other senses, you know, a lot of our clients always wanted to have some presence on the street because it brings people in. When people see right. people dining outside, um, having that experience, it brings more crowds in. So I feel like that shift, it's been exemplified, but I do feel like there's always been a desire to have some type of outdoor dining element. It's just now kind of boosted itself and, and just exploded. So do, do you think that what they were kind of reluctant to maybe do beforehand, now that they see the value of extending that dining space outside, has now become just part and parcel to like the the mission of what they do now. It's like rather than just thinking, okay, we might have a little bit of a outdoor dining or you know might have a little bit of a presence. Now it's equally as important as like say indoor dining. Yes, I definitely excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it even changes um, our our larger restaurant clients who have multiple concepts within their portfolio. It even changes what concept can go in that location. If <laughs> if we have a location that isn't going to have as large of a patio, or we can't get that square footage past the, the city or or whatever uh, municipality or landlord or whomever, they they might turn around and switch the concept because it just might not work for what they were planning on. This is just a question of curiosity. Have you seen where? maybe because they see the success of this kind of like expanded indoor outdoor kind of environment that they've maybe decided not to go to a certain place because maybe the um, AHJ or client or the landlord wouldn't allow them to do it. So they're like, okay, well, you know, see ya. I'm sure, I'm sure that happens. I, um, I feel like I don't have a good enough take on all of the real estate happenings that, that go on with some of our clients. So I'm, I'm sure that's happening more than I even realize. But yeah, I would, I would think that is happening for sure. I'm just thinking about the psychological aspect that you mentioned where people see people. They see the busyness or they see the experience that people are having. It's like window shopping, except it's the restaurant version of that, right? For and sure. so <laughs> you see the food, you see the people having a good time, you see the atmosphere that the restaurant has created and it and it creates a billboard for that restaurant that is real life and there's a psychological impact to passersby right who are making a decision about where they want to go from an, a, a restaurant owner's point of view is that part of the the story that you're telling them when you're working with them early in the design phase about the opportunity and the opportunity cost of that kind of a amenity for their patrons to experience. Yes, for sure. I, I think we definitely put as much thought now into going back to your question, Cormac, too, about what the design on the exterior can be. And that definitely plays into the full concept because now it's not just, we're not just designing two separate spaces. It's not, right. here's the interior part. Here's the here's the bulk of your design. Here's, here's what's really bringing people in. And then here's the ancillary patio. It's Here's everything together. Here's how those two right. can bleed together and work together. And, and the blurring of those lines is, is, is happening for sure. There's, there isn't a distinctive difference. So I think, yeah, to your, to your point, Evan, it's, it's definitely part of the story that we're selling. Because I could imagine that, I hate to keep going back to the, the, the time and period that we don't want to remember anymore, 
but you saw all the pop-ups. So, you know, you saw all those like, you know, trial and errors of spaces and stuff. And some were successful, some weren't. And now you see that they've said, okay, we really like the concept of outdoor dining, but we need to do a much better job of it. So they now they're making a much more concerted effort to make it part of an integrated design rather than just kind of a, oh, we slap this on, you know, this makeshift kind of feeling. Yeah, it's it's definitely that um, that change of that mindset. I mean, I feel like that's even partially where a lot of the new design trends are stemming from is is that whole idea of you know if if you're comfortable sitting in your living room inside why wouldn't you be comfortable sitting in your living room outside so that whole right. is, you know is happening in residential and mm-hmm. right. and so of course it's going to trickle into the commercial and restaurant industry of wanting to make sure that the patrons who are sitting outside have the same experience as the patrons sitting on the inside. So they want that comfortable chair. You want them to, you know, depending on the type of restaurant, if it's more of a, you know, fine dining experience, you definitely want that patron to, to stay. And so by, by giving them those same luxuries, it just makes more sense. So I think a lot of the design has come from that idea of, you know, let's give them a comfortable chair. Let's make sure they have some beautiful plants and, and, you know, soft lighting. So I think, I think a lot of that design is just stemmed from that innate sense of wanting to bring that design 360. Let's talk about the elements of, of what makes an outdoor dining space or outdoor space comfortable, right? Something that's come up more and more and more is thermal comfort over the last, I don't know, decade, decade and a half. You hear it all the time, thermal comfort. And usually that's applied to indoor spaces, right? But I think here the same concept applies. And so we can start, let's just talk a little bit about comfort being outside. And then I think we can get into thermal comfort because we can get more specific about how to achieve that. But you mentioned like soft seating. There's tables and chairs, which everybody sees in in dining, but then there's an explosion in soft seating and fire pits and all of these different kind of elements. I'm, I'm curious because I, I, like Cormac, I haven't designed specific hospitality type spaces before. Give us your experience with what are the kinds of building blocks that people have access to now product wise and experience wise that we could give architects, basically arm them with a palette of components or elements that, that really are the building blocks of a great outdoor space. Yeah, for sure. I, you definitely need to start with figuring out the, you know, what if there's going to be a structure. I think that's number one because I think that's trying to figure out where, where the patio pergola system or structure is going to live and what it's containing. Uh, you know, is it going to be a fully conditioned space? All of that. Mm. So I think f- figuring out that element b- becomes a big part of the conversation, um, and then. Definitely the whole approach of lighting is, is a new approach with the exterior space. Uh, is it, you know, you don't really want to spot tables. Typically on the inside, you want to spot tables and get that dramatic glow. On the outside, you really don't need that. You just want, you know, there's street lighting, there's ambient lighting. I think that's why there's an uptick in a lot of the bistro, cafe style, string lights you're seeing. Um, even moonlighting and trees can be a really cool way. Uh, solar lighting. So I think lighting is a really big component to think through and think about how 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 are people going to see the meal in front of them if it's dark outside. I think that's a, a really big component. Um, you mentioned the chairs. 
I think that's a huge thing. I think we need to find products that can withhold the or stand up to the elements a little bit better that are still comfortable. I think there's a lack in that right now of mm. products that are reliable, um, that look good and, and stand up. I, I think it's just, you know, climate has a big part in that. So it is hard to, to find these, these things, but, um, I, I do feel like we, we finding better products would be great in terms of the seating, soft seating for sure. Trying to figure out, um, you know, is it, is it going to be, uh, you know, off the shelf sofa or is it going to be a custom banquette that we're working with? Is it, in an overhang because of course again the elements if you're in a climate that has a lot of rain you now need to make sure the upholstery you're specifying the foam that the the custom booth manufacturer is using has an exterior grade so it's there's a whole other thought process in place there mm-hmm. and then in terms of programming the space that's a whole other element too I, a lot of clients want a space for the dining element, they want a space if it's a bar atmosphere, maybe there's a drink rail so that people can kind of stand and linger. There's also the lounge component, which then takes into account the the fire pit aspect, or is there some type of feature outside, a water feature, a fire feature, or anything that we can now put chairs around and, and make that be the, the communal focal point. So programming becomes a little bit different on the exterior too. Um, and then I think you, you mentioned the thermal comfort part that definitely comes into play for sure. Uh, with patio heaters, there's all different products out there that, um, you know, if you just, if you didn't want to condition the space, now let's look at different patio heaters and fans. That's another key element, keeping the the air moving. I was going to ask you about zoning, right? Because I think something that we all also saw through the pandemic was an opportunity to kind of rethink offices and offices have traditionally been open offices or a series of rooms, closed offices. And I think something that I heard and read a lot about was wanting different types of space for different types of work that people could pick and choose depending on their needs for the project or the meeting or whatever they needed to do. And I feel like hospitality spaces are kind of similar in that way, right? Like sometimes you want to sit at the couch with the fire pit. Sometimes you want an intimate conversation with somebody at a, at a table in the corner. Sometimes you want to sit at the bar uh, if you're alone and you want to meet new friends and talk, watch the game or something like that. And so zoning wise, I mean, you, you started to talk about programming. Can you just go a little bit deeper into that and just talk about what trends you've really seen people adopt when it comes to paying for these kinds of spaces? What are they really finding value in when it comes to giving their customers either what their customers want or maybe what their customers don't know that they want and they're actually seeing the customers figure this out as they as they have those opportunities? It's a good question. I, I think variety is the answer. I think having variety is definitely the way to go. I, I think making sure you have a variety of amount of um, different types of tables. So two tops or four tops, which relates to how many people are sitting at the table. So making sure you have a variety of, of that. And then also a variety of, you know, are there cozy nooks that people can have a little bit more intimate? So now do you bring in soft seating and also have those little elements where you can have a little bit more intimate dining? I think it's just making sure you have a good variety of of spaces for, for people to feel comfortable with where they want to be. I think with lounge seating, it's a little bit of a hit or miss depending on the type of concept or, 
or client we're working with. Some clients love the lounge seating and they feel it's, you know, people want to sit and, and lounge, but it's really hard to have a dining experience when you're sitting on a low sofa. So um, it's mm-hmm. that one's a that one's a little difficult. It's, it's some it looks great in the space, and it, it, we always want to put it in as designers. We're like, look at this great lounge setting. You know, we really yeah. want to yeah. make this such a unique space, and we usually get turned down by clients saying, "Yeah, but you can't really have a a full." dining atmosphere when where you're, do you put your plates where yeah. do you put your drinks yeah, when when the table's you know half the height of where it normally is so i went to a taco joint that all of their outdoor seating was couch based and if you can just imagine plopping down yeah. on a couch and eating tacos wasn't fun yeah. yeah i can only imagine what's in the cracks of those cushions man it's just <laughs> there's a lot of coleslaw in there <laughs> it's great for Instagram and it's great, you know, for that element, oh, yeah. but I think the practicality of it is not there. So, um, it, it tends to get left off, but, um, and it's important to bring that up to, to the client, right? Uh, from your point of view, you've got to bring it up because like, what are they expecting to clean? What, because maintenance is right. Cormac and I have done a lot of schools and a lot <laughs> of the design work for schools is driven by the maintenance staff and, I can only imagine here, like that's definitely something you got to, you got to at least bring up to say, if you have got couches, you're going to have to pull them apart every night and clean between the cracks and like that kind of a thing. Because if that doesn't happen and somebody finds something, they're going to write a bad review about that restaurant. Right. And and I can just see that being a, a big point of conversation up front. Yeah, we, we deal. So a lot of our clients have, our bigger clients, I will say have, their own A and D personnel, so they they have people who have experience in the architecture and design industry. So it's great working with them. They you know they understand it. It's such a collaborative process, which is makes it so much fun. But then they usually have another part of their company that is operations, and it's usually finding that balance. So it's you know we're working with their designers and their architects to find a, a design that works, and then the operations teams come in and they they give this long wish list of all the things that they want, and it's it's trying obviously we want to make it operationally successful, um, but a lot of times it's their asks are just you just can't keep up with them. So, but yeah. finding that balance is absolutely correct. And and looking at cleanability and maintenance and how often these things need to be cleaned um, is, is something that does come up quite often. And, and just the, and the UV, if we're, you know, talking about outside, just the, the fading of fabrics is something too that comes mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Umbrellas. That's something that um, comes up quite a bit too with the, the fabric on, on the umbrellas, you know, Look out for specifying black umbrellas. They will fade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, a, I have a question about climate because I think a lot of people in the audience could, could say, well, that's great for you, Evan, being in Southern California when you were designing there because you have a climate that makes sense for indoor-outdoor. And I think, I think that's true. It does. But I think because of technology, because of product innovations that have happened, that is a much... It, that kind of is taken off the table to a much larger extent. So maybe you can talk about where you've seen successful, I mean, you're in Chicago, right? And and Chicago's great when it's great. And then there's times of the year when it's not. Are there still examples of successful outdoor hospitality settings in climates that are much different than Southern California for most of the year 
where it's still a success because of technology and products and things like that. That we, again, I want to arm designers and architects out there with with a cachet of ideas that can help them get over the obstacles and the objections of clients when it comes to, uh, you know, I want to want to tap into your experience here so that sure. we can arm people for success. I don't think it's there yet with the fully climatizing, unless we're fully climatizing these outdoor elements. I, I think it's possible, um, you know, definitely throughout the, the fall here, for sure. Some of the, I mean, we have warmer winters now, so so I guess this could mm-hmm. be changing. Um, but um, I, I think it's, there are ways that it can be successful, but I, I don't think it's a, like, count on it to be 365 days you can be open. You know, I think there's going to be times where it's just, you're just going to have to deal with the elements and, and not have that space. It's just going to be too windy, too drafty, um, you know. But I think these these patio enclosure systems do a, a good job of, of keeping the, the heat and and all of that thermal comfort in control. So I, I think it can be successful if you're willing to specify the right things and, and spend spend the money on it. Um, but if, if you're looking for something that's not as fully developed, I don't think it's going to be uh, something that can remain open all year round in, in a climate like Chicago. Um, that being said, I remember going to a brewery in the middle of the winter and it was all outdoors and there was just big fire pits and people were just gathering around the fire pits and were bundled up and so i think it's also who's willing to be out there yeah well we and we've seen a huge kind of shift toward electric heat more specifically than any kind of natural gas or propane heating and so this is where i'm gonna be ignorant and just say like what's available what's out there because I think when you think about sustainability, a lot of architects are conscious of this in a very big way, and they want to specify products that make sense for when it comes to climate, right? So can you give a, a bit of insight into the types of things that are available or yeah. heat sources that are electrical based? For sure. Yes, there's both electrical and gas. Um, I feel like the market is more going towards electrical just because of sustainability purposes and it's they're just easier installs for the most part we don't have to Mm. worry about plumbing and and getting all the natural gas Um, of course there are those older propane tank run heaters i don't think those are really gonna last a whole lot longer the the maintenance of them are just terrible for restaurant owners to to have to think Mm. through and have propane tanks on on tap all the time so i think electric is really cornering the market a little bit more these days from what my experience but there are some really great products out there now that i think look even better and i think that's that's the the coolest thing of where some of these products are going is they look like they belong in this space it doesn't just look like this massive heater tacked on to these patio systems. They're slimlined, they're streamlined. Um, I know uh, Bromic has a really neat heater. It's called the uh, Eclipse, where it's round as a disc and it's also a light source and heat. And they look really cool. They're very minimal, very streamlined and slim. And they put out quite a bit of heat and you can place those around the patio. Uh, and, and that's a great company to work with because they help you place how far away they can be so you can make sure all your patrons have you know, adequate heating. So you have an overlap. There aren't any gaps in where the heating can, can fall. And they do, a, they do a really good job. So I'd say that those products have come a really long way. That product in particular with the integrated lighting, I think is, it's nice, right? Because it's, I think a lot of times 
you talked about the importance of lighting earlier and creating a mood is is something that you can do with lighting and if you have kind of a dual purpose unit you can mix and match one or the other both at the same time and you're creating a really interesting atmosphere and from from what i recall that that heater is like a top-down heater it's like Mm -hmm. i I know they have the option of like an it's like a an umbrella type pendant almost i I don't know how to to fully explain it's almost got like a gooseneck arm to it yep yeah, and it's the heat is just above you, which is where you want to, I think, where you kind of want to feel it, especially as you're walking around and people are moving through the space. And it just creates like this nice, it's a nice warm hug. It's, right? it's, 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 it's a little <laughs> heat cloud. <laughs> it's a little heat cloud. Yeah, no, those those products are great. They're great to work with in terms of the company itself. And I think the the product that, that they put out in particular is is one of the best on the market. It, they they definitely have the slimline and the aesthetic. Uh, you know, it, it, it kind of gives designers a, a new tool in their toolbox of thinking through a, you know, okay, it's not just a, a functional element, but it's a beautiful element. So it's something else that designers can feel proud to put into the space. And it doesn't have to be an afterthought of, oh, we forgot, you know, how are we going to put these heaters in? Where are they going to go? They're going right. to be an eyesore. Instead, it's, oh, these great heaters can be part of the design or part of the lighting element or, you know, it can be part of of the design moving forward. And it's just like that latest evolution of first it was function. So, you know, you had the propane heater or then when it started to go to electric and there were like the big blocks that were hovering overhead and Mm -hmm. may or may not kind of get you the heat that you're hoping for to then something that not only takes in mind the functionality of it, but also the aesthetics of it, which Mm -hmm. we're always hoping for is just like, but we want to extend our space out into the exterior space. And we're thinking, oh, great. But now you're going to want heaters. You're going to want this. And you know how ugly they're going to look. And it's, it's really great to start to see manufacturers really push towards being equally as important from functionality to aesthetics. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think we're seeing that with... With heaters, I think we're starting to see that more with quite a few other exterior products, too. Just, you know, I mentioned the patio systems. I think those are getting, you know, a definitely new design. It's not just this clunky aluminum or steel frame system. They can be really elegant and and bringing in some type of shade sail or, you know, canopy to it really also is another way to bring in some softness and, and protect patrons from some of those sunnier days and and make sure you're not being blinded (laughs) when you're when you're dining even drapes right like i i did a my backyard at my last place i did a a retractable canopy but the retractable canopy only works certain time of the day right i mean that sun gets low and it's coming in underneath and and so i did curtains and they were kind of a sheer material and they were an outdoor material so you could you could pull them back when you wanted to but you could also let them out when you need to block the sun lower and and it it creates an outdoor space like it really starts to really delineate the spatial quality of what's going on outside and i found it worked really well as an architectural device but also created some intimacy and 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 it functioned as well as it created this quality of space yes for for sure yeah thinking through the the solar element is 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 one that I think all designers and architects need to think through on on the exterior because you know on the interior it's already something we think about of whether we're putting roll down shades or things like that but on the exterior it's even more important and you you kind of yeah. 
you need to think through is this is the system gonna are we going to be blocking the sun at the right times you know doing your solar studies for sure and making making sure it's all all working and i think those louvered systems do a pretty good job uh, but again it's it's looking at it only at the top so looking at the sides and making sure that you're you're blocking those sun and and i do feel like wind is another big component that gets overlooked especially here in chicago Mm. (laughs) um you know, we we've had some run-ins with even heaters uh, blowing out due to the wind and not being rated for the wind that we we thought that we were we were getting. So that's something else that I think is is another thing that needs to be thought through when you're looking at an outdoor space. Is you know going through all of the elements and making sure you're checking the boxes of of all of these things are thought through. And you know, umbrellas. They move in the wind, even if they're on a yeah. very heavy plate. They, if they're up and open, it's a parachute. It will, it will slide. Yeah. So, so making sure that um, these elements are, you know, thought through or told to the operational side of of the restaurant, and, and making sure that they're educated as well. Doing schoolwork in California, we always had exterior circulation. I know on the East Coast, it's very different. The schools, one big building basically with interior circulation corridors and everything. But, you know, it rains sometimes in Southern California. And and the, the thing was always like, well, just make the most minimal canopy that you can because it always rains straight down, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, as an architect, we're always like trying to extend it out, not just for rain, but for shade, but for all these, re- but it doesn't just come. And wind is, is even, like you're going to create patterns, you're going to create vortexes and eddies, and you're going to bring in debris and you really have to think about all of that stuff as a, as a designer when it comes to these outdoor spaces. Because if you don't, like my, my wife is extremely sensitive to wind. If you're eating outdoors and it's slightly cold, it's like that wind will just change your mind instantly about that you don't want to be yeah. there anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely something to, to think through when you are dining out. Like how much, how much do you really want to sit outside? Because it's nice out now, but you might be there for an hour or two, maybe. Mm-hmm. And is it, mm-hmm. is it still going to be as nice out later? So, yeah, for sure. Thinking, thinking through all of that is, is something we definitely need to do. Well, I went from doing a lot of K through 12 schools um, to doing a lot of higher education. And a lot of that trend now is geared towards student living. And a lot of student living wants to be outdoors and creating those spaces outdoors. And so extending those spaces, especially in like northern climates and things like that, where uh, I'm thinking of my, my son right now goes to school up in the UP and they spend mo- most of their time outside. You would think that they wouldn't with all the snow and stuff, but they're always like making spaces like the designers are thinking about the spaces that they're creating to be a 360 type space you know, 365 days a year type space. How about that? That's better. Wait, 365. Wait. There you go. Yeah. I left a couple. There's, the, the, you know. I gotcha. 360 yeah. and then 365. Well, well yeah. <laughs> and, and you said you said that they don't want to be outside all the time. But, right. Oh, know, that's right. That's for the extra Those, five, those five days. Those five right. days. They, that's right. They're inside. <laughs> Speaking of outdoor heating, though, is there a benefit or a trade-off that you have seen in your experience versus, you know, in, indoors is HVAC, outdoors is spot heating or maybe some fire. As far as energy goes or, you know, expense for an owner, has that, do you guys take all that into account when you're talking through these ideas? 
Yeah, I mean, we definitely think through the expense, more of, more of the upfront costs, I will say. Um, I don't know if it's fully vetted of the maintenance and, and the costs of the, the bills thereafter. Um, but I, I do think it's something that does get brought up at, at the forefront of the project. Of This is what you can expect for from this type of product, and this is the the upfront cost. But yeah, the, the maintenance thing is something that I, I don't think we probably need to do a better job of, but I, I think it's just something that, um, you know, come, comes more out of the, the owner's side to, to figure out of what they're willing to spend. Yeah. Operational costs, I think are definitely, you know, going to be on more, some owner's minds more than others. But, but the idea to me, like it's not, you can't just look at that. You have to look at the whole picture, right? You have to look at the whole dining experience, the integration of indoor and outdoor from so many different aspects when you're talking about these kinds of projects that that's just another element of of that conversation i think so some are going to bring it up and some are are just going to say yeah that this is something that we do for our patrons that's it right yeah it's bringing it's you're getting more seats so i feel like in the long run it's it's you know hopefully it's a wash because you're now extending the life of the restaurant by expanding the Mm. footprint outside and you're now turning tables over more days throughout the year so i feel like Mm -hmm. the added cost would balance itself out at some point. I mean, they have the space already. In certain cases, they were never using them. So now they're expanding that. And, you you know, as you say, they're increasing their footprint of the the number of seats. I mean, I, w- I would see that the return on the investment for purchasing heaters to extend the outdoor environment would be rather quick, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point, Cormac. We had a client recently that has this building. It's not being used, and um, it's part of a, a block that they own. And they wanted to, us to look at how we could potentially demo out a portion of the wall and extend out to this rooftop. It's just this huge expanse of hmm. rooftop. So I feel like that's a whole other dynamic mm-hmm. that is being looked at is, is how we have the space. How can we capitalize on it? And yeah. I think rooftops are one that are, are starting to pop up more and more of creating bars and lounges and restaurants and even more like uh, event spaces, like entertainment spaces for I've seen a lot of it's like those backyard games and, and elements like that, more of the fun, carefree, right. Right. just kind of go hang out uh, elements. And a lot of those are happening on rooftops. We've seen a trend, in, you know, again, like I said, you do a lot of higher education. So in like the student life student housing, student act buildings, and things like that, we've actually seen a lot of clients more open to using rooftops. You know, a lot of times they're worried about liability and things like that. And if we can overcome that aspect for them and show that there are benefits to utilizing those spaces, they're already there. And if you can decrease, say, the footprint of the building by increasing the use of what the building already has, has been something that they've been very open to and starting to see. And, and we've got a new project that we're doing that at least three of the multiple buildings that we're doing, we're all using rooftops. And, you know, it, it was something that we hadn't seen in the past. Now they're like, oh, this is an option. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we're, we're definitely seeing that, too, of capitalizing on that on that square footage. So I think it's and it makes for interesting design and new design challenges. Yeah. And then it goes back to the conversation you were having about the types of furniture and the types of right. finishes that you would use up there because now you're actually 
increasing uh, a little bit of its exposure, both from solar, from wind, from everything else. And it, it, it is an interesting challenge, but it is one that it's kind of fun to try to tackle. For sure. I agree. And I think it's one of those things where it gives people a different perspective and they're more likely to be interested to find out what it's like to do something, get a different experience, right? Everybody's eaten in an outdoor patio. Have you ever eaten on a rooftop? Have you ever eaten on a pier? Have you ever like, and, and it's like, it becomes one of these things where it's like, people like to try those kinds of things. And if somebody has the ability to offer that amenity because it's been well thought through and designed and creates a cool experience, then that yeah. becomes a huge draw potential for that business, right? Yeah. Well, I, this has been a, a fun conversation. Liz, is there anything that we've missed? Uh, like any other tips or ideas, things that have crossed your path that you think are worth sharing to the other design professionals out there? Yeah, I think uh, some good tips are don't think about it as an exterior. Really just think about it as an extension of the interior and how can you bring those comforts out? And, and that means even there's a influx of, you know, greenery. And I think that's bringing that greenery inside and thinking about it, the landscaping on the outside. And um, yeah, I, th I think it's really just those those comfort elements and how they can be pulled outside for sure is is something that I think is a good mentality to have on how to move forward with exterior design. Well, this has been a great conversation and I hope that the audience gets a lot out of it and, and thinks about this. And obviously there's a lot of products out there that can help make this possible. We'll put links to the ones that we talked about in this episode in the show notes. So everybody can check those out. And Liz, I'm sure that you're online. You've got a, your, your company's got a website. And so we'll put a link to Aria Group in the show notes as well. Perfect. Is there anything anywhere else that people, if they if they had a question about this, that you might be able to point them in the right direction that they can get in touch with you, like through LinkedIn or, or yeah. just through your website? <clears throat> for sure. LinkedIn or, or the website. Yep. Either one. Well, yeah. thanks again Thank for taking you. the time to do this with us today. I, I've learned a lot and I, I appreciate yeah. it. So Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.